Welcome to the Kosafa Show with Mark Gleason and Nick Say. Welcome to our latest episode of the Kasafa Show, which comes slap bang in the middle of the 2023 Hollywood Bets Kasafa Cup that is being staged in Durban. We will hear from Kasafa referees manager Felix Tangorarima on the latest from the world of match officials and also catch up with Dr. Tulani and Gwenya on the excellent work he's been doing in training medical personnel. We will also have an interview with Kasafa Executive Director Sude Tome on the tournament and the new format that has been adopted this year. But first, let's hear from Felix Tangoruma, who has done such an excellent job over the years in bringing through match officials from the Kasafa region. I think the Kasafa Referees Development Plan produced the backbone of African, you know, the continent's top referees. As you, you can remember, a lot of our our CAF tournaments, they've been officiated by the referees from Kosafa. Let's take it last year. We have the Africa Cup of Nations, the referee was from Kosafa. We have the Champions League, the referees were from Kosafa. We have the Confederation Cup final, the referee were from Kosafa. In addition to that, Kosafa is the only region which sent two trios to the World Cup. Not only for men, we also sent women referees to the World Cup. When you look at that, it's all emanating from the development plan of uh, COSAFA, where we start with the under-17s. We bring them to the under-20, up to the senior level. And what we do is when they're at senior level, we want them to fight for continental, which has been happening and it has been going on very well. You see, now VAR, when it started, people thought it was something which was going to go by. But now VAR is in the laws of the game, is part of the laws of the game, which actually signifies the importance it is for us as a region to, to be you know, inclusive into having VAR in our tournaments and in our national associations. As COSAFA, we are at an advanced stage you know, to try and have our zonal referees, you know, compliant with the VR. We will be having some two courses this year, uh, before the end of the year, training referees on VR. We start training the technicians and then the, the, the referees themselves. So we have already started the selection process, which uh, has gone very successfully. So now what we have is we are just waiting for the, you know, the dates when we can actually put our referees together and train them VR. What we are looking at is uh, we, you know, we are a region with the 14 countries. So we are looking at uh, what is better to bring referees into the, for example, here, if we have our training center here, or what is, what is beneficial for us to move to each country. So we found out that moving to each country is more beneficial and the cost effective than bringing all the referees here. But uh, all those logistics are being worked on in the secretariat. But we are actually at a high level in terms of, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, preparation for VAR, because now it's in the laws of the game. It's part of the game. We can't run away from it. I'm so happy to, to confirm uh, to, to, this, to the region that uh, all our female referees who are going for the World Cup, they are VAR compliant. We took advantage of CAF tournaments because they are senior referees. They've been going to CAF tournaments. And in those CAF tournaments, we have actually trained them uh, to be VAR compliant. They need to be registered. They need to be licensed for them to be able to officiate at that high level. So all our female referees from our zone who are going to the World Cup, 
they are licensed via, you know, referees. So in that area, we are covered. What we need is to use those who are, who are licensed already to help the other ones we are training so that we, we have a, a strong team of VAR registered referees. You see, when we talk of development, it's not a once-off activity. It's a process. You will find out that uh, before these, uh, you know, top referees who are retiring now, there were also some top referees before. So, but this last year, this year in particular, we have lost five top referees who were the backbone of the, the region. We're also the backbone of CAF in Victor Gomez, who has retired. We have uh, Martins from Angola. We has retired. We have uh, Benar from Seychelles. He has retired. We have a Bondo uh, from uh, from uh, Botswana. He's also retired. And we have Jani Sikazwe, who has retired. As you can see, when they retire, they also take other positions. Gomez now is the chairman of the Referees Committee of uh, of South Africa. Not only that, he has been recently appointed as the vice chairman of the Confederation of African Football uh, Referees Committee, which is a big task. If it wasn't for the education and for the development we did, you will not be up there. So you find out really, we are so happy with our development plan. We talk of Jan Sikazwe. He has been raising our flag as a zone in the world, in the continent. And we have him now in this tournament as one of the instructors. He's now imparting what he learned during the years to the youngsters who are coming. The, the referees we are having now, we are actually trying to identify those who can replace the five we had. So the successful succession plan is working very well. Dr. Tulani Ngwenye has become a leading medical professional in football on the African continent and was appointed as a doping officer at the World Cup in Qatar last year. He has been passing on his knowledge in Durban. I've been quite busy, yes, doing quite a, a, a lot of work for COSAFA because I'm the COSAFA medical officer. But in the past few days, we were engaged in a football emergency medical course. Now, it is an initiative by COSAFA to try and impart knowledge to the uh, participating team medicals and also to the local team medicals. Like local team, I mean the team, the medicals of the teams that are playing at Hollywood Bears League, Sasso League, NFD and PSL to share knowledge and to share an approach in terms of dealing with medical emergencies. Now, as you understand, medicine is a dynamic profession uh, where there's changes each and every day because of the discoveries um, due to the rigorous research that is done in medicine. So there's always changes in medicine. So we need to keep up with what is happening in the, um, in, in the world and we need to know what, is, what are the trends and how do we deal with medical emergencies. So basically that's what we've been doing uh, the past few days, uh, imparting knowledge, and we did a, a, an emergency um, a football medicine um, a workshop. So um, for COSAFA, it is the first one of, of its kind. Um, we were doing it and we are focusing on uh, just few topics because we couldn't do any everything in, in just a day, in just three hours, but we needed to do the basics that we, was actually going to help us to at least do the bare minimum, you know, for us to be able to save lives. We have seen quite a number of uh, athletes, especially African athletes, you know, falling on the pitch without contact and some of them dying. And uh, this is uh, perhaps mostly due to um, uh, due diligence not being done properly in, 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 in football. 
uh, specifically. Uh, I'll start with the uh, pre-competition medical assessment or pre-season medical assessment. You know, most of the teams, they would just go and uh, get a doctor to sign off their form just to comply so that they are able to register. But that then uh, becomes a problem because then you are skipping or jumping one important uh, part of, of, of prevention. Because if you are going to deal with athletes, you need to know their status. You need to know medically where they are before then you will be able to anticipate problems. For instance, if I've got a person who's got a seizure, then I know that this person has a seizure and if anything happens, then I'm able to anticipate uh, problems and how do I actually approach that particular problem. So we started with, uh, we've, bro we've broken it down. We started with the, the preventative one, which is pre-competition medical assessment. And then we went, the, from there we went to approach in terms of cardiac arrest. When you've got a player for without contact. Uh, that's then we then said it is cardiac arrest until proven otherwise. And then we we, we, we came up with an approach to say, how then do we deal with, with, with such? And then over and above that, we also discussed at length concussion because we have seen quite a number of head injuries. As you would know, in football, we haven't really paid much attention when it comes to concussion uh, because um, we, we, we didn't think that concussion is quite uh, common in football. We see that mostly in rugby because rugby, there's quite a lot of head injuries, which then involves the, the neck and the back. But in football as well, we have now seen quite a number of concussions. Hence now, it is very, very important to have an approach in terms of concussion. So we also went through concussion. We went into the steps. How do you then deal with concussion if you have? But the most important part was that um, we were equipping the medicals that if a doctor is not there, a physio would be able to at least do something that is basic like a CPR, like doing cardiopulmonary resuscitation. You don't need emergency services. Yes, you need an AED to be able to save a life, but when you do compressions, at least that buys time. So what we then, what I, we then said to them to say, if you, you find yourself in a remote area where there's no medical uh, personnel at the, at the stadium, where there's no uh, AED at the stadium, your responsibility as a medical person is to make sure that you involve the clinics before the game you call the the, the, the local clinic tell them that there is a game that is happening in case of an emergency we might need you and then uh, you call the emergency services that are around just to flag up that the, that you are around there's a game that is playing yes perhaps maybe money is not there but just to flag up such that when there's an emergency then they are on speed dial you are able to 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 to, to call them and they are able to come and help but what is, what was more important was that then you are there something happens in the field of play then you are able to deal with it. I mean, uh, it is unfortunate that, I mean, um, even in here in South Africa, at the highest level, we still have cardiac arrest. You know, I, I do not think it is because um, my, my colleagues do not know how to deal with it, but it is because we don't do these continuous um, uh, workshops, just like uh, match officials. When you're a match official, you do, uh, you do uh, pre-season uh, training, you do mid-season. They are not doing that because they are not good referees, but they are doing that so that they are always on par with what is happening and they are able to deal with because when you don't when, when you don't practice when you don't get to do it each and every day then you lose the skill so we need that as medicals to keep on reminding ourselves to keep on having our hands onto the uh, uh, the dummy so that we know exactly what to do when we have a medical major okay at at CAF I'm the chief medical officer and I'm the medical expert there at CAF I deal with doping control and I 
also I, I deal with all medical issues that uh, involves uh, um, uh, continental football. But at the FIFA level, I'm uh, part of the doping control uh, officers. I'm one of the doping control um, uh, officers at FIFA. Um, I, I, I went to the Qatar um, 2022 World Cup and just now I was in, in Argentina uh, doing doping control there. And the aim is to make sure that um, uh, football becomes a sport that is um, fair to everyone because FIFA promotes uh, FIFA, it, it promotes fair play. So now there's some people, uh, some athletes that may be tempted to use a substance that will enhance their performance. So our responsibility is to make sure that everyone that goes into the field of play, they don't use sports and uh, performance enhancers. So that is a, it's a, it's a fair sport and the team that wins, win, wins fair. I'd like to, I'd like to say this uh, unapologetically to say Kosafa has done something that is great because even with the workshop, it is a legacy project to leave something uh, where we, we where we are right now in Devon to, to help impart knowledge. But over and above that, Kosafa has also started a program where we have medical students coming to the tournament and shadowing me and so that they know what sports medicine is about. Sports medicine, um, it is, especially in Africa, it seems like it's something that is new, but it, it's actually not new. It has been there for, for a long time. But it's just that a lot of people did not know about, about sports medicine. And in order for us to participate and compete at the highest level, we need to develop quite a number of sports physicians such that each and every team has a qualified sports physician because these athletes that you see or the players that you see, they are human beings before they are players, before they are athletes. So you need to know their and condition them such that you prepare them for competition. But if you're going to only focus on the technical aspect of things and forget that these are human beings, then you 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 actually missed it. That is why internationally, sports medicine is huge. Even when it comes to pre-season preparation, the bulk of the work is mostly sports medicine and then the technical aspects comes in. So I would like to really um, uh, uh, um, uh, try and say that most people or most teams, they need to go towards sports medicine, having full-time sports physician, not as just by the way to say a doctor comes on match day just for that day, because I mean, if you come just for that day, you don't know anything about the players. You are just there to just make sure that you tick the box. Kasafa Executive Director Sude Tome now shares her insight into the current Hollywood Bets Kasafa Cup and why there's been a switch in format, as well as touching on several other issues. Yes, um, they have changed. Uh, they've changed at the request of our members. Uh, we had uh, a, a meeting last year uh, when we were in Arusha and several of our, our member associations felt that it was time for a change of format um, to move away from the previous format, which, as you will recall, uh, being a, a membership of 14, we had a scenario where we had the group round uh, being the lower-ranked eight teams and the, um, the higher-ranked six teams having a bye directly into the knockout round. And so they would come in at the quarterfinal round and be joined by the winners of, uh, of the two groups from the group. Uh, and then so that uh, those teams, those uh, teams who had had a bye, coming in, playing one quarterfinal and, and then going home, um, we had had introduced, uh, I think it was 
in uh, 2009 um, a plate section. So members felt that you know that that format was a little bit tired. Um, it was also definitely a deterrent um, in terms of the host country. So you know we've been playing um, the the Kasafa Cup in South Africa now for some years, and to have South Africa always coming in at the quarterfinal meant that you didn't have your host team, your home team, in you know from the get go. Uh, so from fans, you know, it's etc. It, it was a deterrent, uh, a deterring factor. So um, we put together a task force. We were very democratic about it. Um, we put together a task force and uh, and and came up with the uh, you know with a with a new scenario uh, where um, the fourteen teams would be divided into into four groups. We would have two groups of four, two groups of three, um, playing in a conventional manner. This year, um, we had two members who are out of our fourteen who have not participated. Madagascar being one of them, um, and. Unfortunately, uh, Zimbabwe still suspended, so uh, so that was um, you know so there we were now down to twelve. Uh, under normal circumstances, we would have looked for another two uh, two teams, but it's actually uh, a, you know a workable number um, having having twelve teams, three groups of four. Um, we were also a little bit under time constraint, uh, having the tournament now in, in in July, needing to to be finished before the start of the Women's World Cup, the FIFA Women's World Cup, because we don't like to clash. So uh, it was decided by the organizing committee that we would stay with our 12 teams. And uh, consequently, we don't have any invitational team. We've got 12 member association teams uh, that will be participating, three groups of four. Um, you know, we, our wish had been to, to organize this tournament actually at the end of May. As soon as the PSL uh, season, you know, had had ended, uh, and we say that because we are in South Africa, so you know, one doesn't want to to clash with the league. Um, but it wasn't to be. Um, our you know uh, host was was not in a position to have um, uh, hosted us at the end of May. That would have been the ideal time because it was preparation uh, for the last Afcon uh, qualifiers. But um, it is, we are still, you know, there's, a, there's another round yet to come. Um, and as always with, you know, with the Kasafa uh, Cup, even though it is senior men's, it does still have, um, as with everything that Kasafa does, have a developmental angle and does give coaches uh, an opportunity to be looking at uh, fringe players, uh, you know, uh, blooding new players um, in the lead up to the next round of AFCON, uh, we've got, uh, you know, then the, um, uh, the the World Cup qualifiers that don't kick kick in, and and then the the, the chance. So, you know, that is the beauty of um, of this competition, and always has been that it gives coaches an opportunity, really, to you know, to play around with uh, with their players, and uh, be, you know, before the um, the the competitive uh, qualifiers and things come up. Um, the the tickets for for these matches are free of charge. Uh, courtesy um, of uh, our uh, our host Safa, um, so uh, but everybody has to have a ticket. Um, the the both the city and and the local Safa structures Safa Etukeni um, are hard at work as as of today uh, to be um, mobilising and uh, uh, creating awareness uh, in the in the townships. Um, uh, flyers given out etc. Loud hailing. 
mobilization of fans to the stadium and um, and and pointing out the the ticket uh, the ticketing uh, pickup the ticketing collection uh, points which are um, just outside the immediate precinct um, of the of the stadium everybody the message is everybody must have a ticket uh, to get in so it may be free of charge but it is still a ticketable event um, so we've already started actually uh, we were in Elembe um, and we had an under 15 boys fast footy um, a youth festival it is it's a knockout competition played over over the one day uh, with Mark Fish um, this is uh, an initiative of his and it was absolutely fabulous we had eight uh, eight boys teams that uh, under 15 but uh, I use that kind of in inverted commas because some of the children were as young as nine um, but we saw some 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 fabulous football and it was fun for the kids um, uh, with you know, with kit and other equipment being uh, given away and prizes to the the top individual uh, players. Um, of course, we always uh, do a referees uh, a workshop, a five day uh, referees workshop, which is um, for our referees who are our international referees who are appointed to this tournament, but always has a local element as well. And um, uh, we've had ten local referees. Uh, who are staying in the hotel with their international counterparts. So it's really a five-day experiential workshop, you know, for them. And these these kind of workshops is where our uh, uh, our referees manager uh, unearths the talent that sometimes may never come to the fore. Um, courtesy of Dr. Tulani Nguenya, we have an emergency medical workshop, um, the participants uh, of which um, will be the uh, doctors and, and medics coming from the clubs, um, the Sasol League and ABC Motsepi League um, in and around uh, Durban, as well as the team doctors from our 12 participating uh, member countries. Um, what are we doing next? Uh, we had reached out to, uh, to the city to identify um, schools that may need a helping hand, uh, and this will form... Um, uh, part of Kasafa's annual Madiba Day, even though it's a couple of days early. Um, our, we always do a Madiba Day initiative, and we've uh, there are two schools that have been identified by the uh, by the city, and we will be going there uh, with our teams, uh, with our referees and legends, etc. And uh, they had sent us a shopping list um, of what they require from you know um, play play things and laptops and what have you. So that is our initiative uh, for the 13th. And then we will wrap up um, on the 15th with a coaching clinic um, that will take place at the Christian Annenberg uh, uh, Sports Ground in Claremont. And uh, there we will have our legends uh, coming and being a part of that. Uh, we will have uh, Lucas Radebi, uh, Yeye, um, uh, Sangweni, uh, Brilliant Kuzwayo, Tiko Tiko from Mozambique, so we've got a whole host of, uh, of the chaps um, that will be coming and, and uh, taking the kids you know, from, uh, from Claremont um, through their paces um, in, a, in a coaching clinic. So we're really looking forward to some of the initiatives that we're doing this time. That's it for another episode of the Kasafa Show. We will be back with more next week. Don't forget, you can listen to more of our podcasts on our YouTube channel, Spotify, and iTunes. You can also get the latest news via our website at www.kasafa.com and on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok.